Welcome. I'm Anastasia Glova, bringing you the Cato Daily Podcast. Full and edited versions of our podcasts are available on our website at www.cato.org. Unlike last year's summit in Scotland, which focused primarily on development and the environment, the G8 meets this weekend in Russia at a moment of confrontation with North Korea and Iran's nuclear ambitions. Cato policy analyst Justin Logan analyzes the sensitive situation. What's on the table for the G8 summit in St. Petersburg? The official agenda involves uh, primarily a focus on energy security, uh, and it will be interesting to see what that discussion entails, as well as some sort of genuine global interests such as communicable disease, and I think education is also an official topic. But there are two sort of crises in the world that cannot be ignored, obviously, those being Iran and North Korea, and those will be a topic of some discussion as well. Russia's host and party to the G8 summit is at a critical position to influence talks this weekend. I think that's right. I think they've been able to craft the official agenda, which, like I said, is supposed to focus on energy security. And one hopes that the discussion of energy security could get a little beyond what at least discussions in America of energy security have entailed. Energy-producing countries obviously have an interest in diversification of the consumers which they provide, and energy-consuming countries have an interest in diversification of supply so that they can avoid supply shocks and problems such as that. So I think that if the discussion of energy security gets beyond what we've had in this country, I think what we will see, or I, I should say what I hope we will see, is a growing recognition that in a lot of cases, the big industrialized democracies that make up the G8 have similar interests in diversifying the energy market globally. And in addition to the G8 members, that India and China, two growing energy consumers, India and China, have an interest in that as well. What about nuclear security? Bush needs Russia's cooperation on North Korea and Iran, but Putin's anti-democratic policies put the U.S. in a very difficult position. Should the U.S. take a harder line against Russia? I'm not supportive of a harder line against Russia for several reasons. I think that, number one, we will have more influence on critical issues of U.S. national security if we do not publicly escalate the rhetoric that has taken place between the United States and Russia in recent months. After Vice President Cheney gave a speech recently in Lithuania, the Kommersant newspaper in Russia, which in the past has been rather critical of the Kremlin, warned of what it called a second Cold War. Moreover, there are very sort of moderate elements within Russian society, such as uh, the former president of the Soviet Union, Mikhail Gorbachev, who is warning that Vice President Cheney's speech represents, quote, nothing else but provocation and intrusion into the internal affairs of Russia. Mr. Gorbachev went on Good Morning America recently and warned that Americans have a severe disease worse than AIDS. It's called winner's complex. So I think that there is some element within Russia that is resentful of U.S. attempts to mold Russian society. And it's also important to acknowledge that, that President Putin is widely popular within Russia. His popularity ratings are regularly in the 70s, which is obviously higher than any of the uh, popularity ratings of the leaders of the other G8 countries. So I think we have to ask what would be served by sort of publicly antagonizing the Russian government. And I think we also need, quite frankly, to elevate U.S. strategic concerns. And I think it would be exceedingly unlikely to get any level of Russian cooperation on Iran or North Korea if the rhetoric continues to deteriorate. 
beyond the rhetoric, I think one of the more alarming things is the continued and I think extremely ill-advised push to bring countries such as Georgia and Ukraine into NATO. I want to endorse uh, Cato's chairman, Bill Niskanen's remark that the prospect of bringing Georgia into NATO is madness. It does nothing to add to the security capabilities of NATO and brings in a very shaky state that in fact has two separatist regimes on its territory, which have very much Russian influence, have Russian citizens in them, and in some cases have Russian troops in them. So I think that we need to look more broadly at our interests with Russia and prioritize them accordingly. And I think that one of the real deficiencies of the Bush administration so far has been a failure to prioritize its foreign policy goals. Do you see relations between Bush and Putin deteriorating even further? Well, one would hope not, although the the recent announcement last week, like I said, of Georgia's prospective membership in NATO is certainly not going to help things. The early indications are is that to the extent that President Bush talks to President Putin about domestic politics in Russia, that that will be done quietly and off the record, which I think is the right way to go. It's not at all to say that the president shouldn't weigh in with President Putin about his views on Russian politics. But I think that by airing dirty linen in public, it can only sort of uh, antagonize Putin and more broadly, I fear, the Russian public. Is there room for a productive agreement with Russia on Iran and North Korea? Well, I, I don't mean to dodge the question, but I guess it depends on what you mean by productive agreement. There's been reportage today that both the Russians and the Chinese, who the Chinese obviously aren't involved in the G8, both of those countries are uh, looking at a UN Security Council resolution that would move towards sanctions with respect to Iran. I'm somewhat even less optimistic about the prospects in North Korea. But I think that the prospect of a meaningful sanctions regime going forward, even on Iran, even with uh, Russian and Chinese support, is very low. I mean, we remember that we had sanctions on Iraq. Those obviously did not meet their end. They didn't accomplish their goal, I should say. So I think that we need to think more creatively about different solutions. And although, you know, the Bush administration's approach to Iran and, and North Korea could certainly be worse, I think they need to sort of broaden the thinking and look more carefully at the prospect for a grand bargain with both countries. And this is something that I'm pleased to report is gaining more and more traction within Washington. And it's a simple strategy of just putting our cards on the table and saying, these are things that we would be willing to do if you would give up your nuclear weapons program entirely. And it's very possible that even a grand bargain could fail with respect to both Iran and North Korea. But at that point, we would have clarification about whether or not we should even be involved in diplomacy with these countries. If a grand bargain were turned down, there are any number of other policies that the U.S. could pursue. So I think that that would do very much to clarify the intentions of both Iran and North Korea and holds the best, although certainly an imperfect, prospect for resolving the crises. This has been Cato Daily Podcast. Thank you for listening.